The first reading is taken from the book of Isaiah, chapter 35, verses 1 to 10, and can be found on page 673 in the Old Testament section of the Church Bible. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are of a fearful heart, be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped, and the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For waters shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. The haunts of jackals shall become a swamp, The grass shall become reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there, and it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveller, not even fools, shall go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness. And sorrow and sighing shall flee away. The second reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 9, verses 1 to 12 and can be found on page 99 in the New Testament section of the Church Bible. As he walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciple asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go, Wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back, able to see. The neighbours and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? And some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, No, no, but it is someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, Then how were your eyes opened? And he answered, 
The man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, open our eyes that we might even this day see Jesus and place our whole trust in him. For we ask it in his dear name. Amen. Uh, Later on uh, last week, I phoned my mother who's uh, in her 90s and she was reminiscing with me that if you were there with her, in 1952, helping with many other young people uh, with the first aid treatment that was needed for the huge numbers of crowds in London, Uh, you would of course seen her at the coronation of King George VI. And as we well know, she said to me, many people have only known Queen Elizabeth II, but there are a few people like, uh, trust me, my mother knows me how to put me in my place, that have seen other kings as well as Queen Elizabeth. Proud dad, I know, but if you watch the TV, as I'm sure some of you will be doing uh, tomorrow, uh, round the coffin, just before the committal in Windsor, you will see my son. He's a police officer. He's one of 150 drafted in for the occasion. He's not to be messed with. He's six foot four, built like a tank. (laughs) Interesting, both... Mother and son could be seen around all that was happening at this most royal and solemn moment. One of the very better adverts that's been on the TV uh, recently is about sight. You will see my son if you look closely. There are 150 of them. Should have gone to Specsavers. (laughs) Or you... You knock yourself. Well, where's that gone? Should have gone to Specsavers. It's brilliant psychological subliminal branding. I have to say, I just walked past on the other side. I'll try another optician's. <laughs> They've not converted me yet. But sight is so important in the whole of the Bible. And in this particular story, in John's Gospel, chapter 9, we have the physical sight of a blind man cured. It's the sixth of seven signs within John's Gospel that aren't just about the sign of a blind man being able to see again, but there is a deeper something that's going on that we are meant to see. And if you step back and look at the New Testament as a whole, there is something very powerful going on when Paul prays for Christian people that the eyes of their heart might be opened. And then you look at all the greats and especially the prophets in the Old Testament. Something similar is going on there with sight. Once Elijah suddenly has his spiritual sight opened and he sees all around him the angels and the presence of God. 
So when Jesus does one of his many, many significant, important signs, it's not just about a blind man seeing again, it's about people like you and I seeing what's really going on with Jesus. He says, I'm the light of the world. Now this blind man, the tension mounts through John chapter 9. I mean, you should feel sorry for him, really. He's almost putting, stamping his foot down. Look, once I was blind, but now I can see, and it's him that did it. Should have gone to Jesus. Actually, Jesus came to me, and I can now see. going to be more positive about the Church of England towards the conclusion of my sermon, but one sorry part of its church history, relatively recent church history, was a bishop writing a commentary on John's Gospel. It wasn't a bestseller. It caused a bit of furore as these things too. It's a flash in the pan. These things come and go. Deeply tragic at the time. Jesus, of course, isn't the Son of God we can account for all these other miracles in some other way. At the incarnation, that, the, that a man could be a human being, well, people don't believe that these days, do they? At least if you want to get the intellectuals and connect with society at large, you have to sort of... This is a travesty of what he was trying to do, I have to say. Dumb the whole thing down. Try and account for it in some other way. Probably the most gentle, kindest Christian leader that there has been on the world stage was heard to pray for this bishop. Open this blind man's eyes or gag him. Help him to see, just like this fellow did, while I was blind but now I can see and it was Jesus that did it. The eyes of our hearts should be opened that this Jesus really is the Son of God who loves us. In John's Gospel, chapter 9, there's something fascinating going on. The more it seems to be the case that Jesus is revealed, and the light, as it were, is getting brighter, just like the dawning of a new day, this Jesus is a man, he's a prophet, he's come from God, and then he is the Lord of all, the light of the world, as John's Gospel goes and makes more of Jesus in all his glorious brilliance. So John's Gospel carries on reflecting on those who oppose him, namely the Pharisees. Well, first of all, they're questioning him. He's out with them in the crowds. He's going to their supper parties and conversing with them. And then they start to question him. Well, you can't possibly be expecting this to be true. How can that happen? And then, of course, they reject him. We're only at chapter 9. And then the light of the world, the glorious Jesus, the perfect person in the whole of history, is rejected on the cross and dies in love for you and I, that our light bulb moment should happen. Our darkness was given to him. Our shame was given to him. Our folly for rejecting him was given to him. The Pharisees couldn't see it. The more the light comes on, the more resistant they get. 
This is not a sermon on popular psychology, but sometimes it happens when people are questioning the Christian faith. Yet the penny is gradually dropping. I'm starting to get it. And sometimes people get more and more resistant. Rather than saying, I should have gone to Jesus a few years ago, should have gone to Jesus with that, dear, dear friend, never too late. Perhaps even today could be the day. Her late majesty apparently went to church every Sunday. Now there's a good sermon. (laughs) Never missed. Apparently, according to commentators, she wasn't into high church. She wasn't neither into low church. What she approved of was short church. (laughs) I can't do better than reflect on Her Late Majesty than the words of the Right Reverend and Right Honourable Richard Chartres, the previous Bishop of London, in a quite stunning essay about Her Majesty, concluded with these words. And I'm going to draw near to conclusion with this sermon now by reading them to you. Listen carefully. At events such as Our Lady Thatcher's funeral, amidst the tensions and complex emotions of the occasion, her hierarchic stillness as she stood on the steps of St Paul's watching the departure of the coffin conveyed more eloquently than any words could that at the centre of our national life there was a calm confidence and that the ship of state had an anchor. Sometimes you see actions speak louder than words standing there for the world to see as Thatcher goes. Actions do speak louder than words There, the action of God's love on the cross. There were a few words, Father, forgive them, those who oppose me, who don't see me for who I am. And there he dies, the monarch of all upon the cross, with love for you and I. Are your eyes opened to see this Jesus? Have you accepted him Do you believe in him? Have you committed yourself to him? Or I hope you're not as brutal and bad as a Pharisee and just, well, nothing to do with him. Or even as bonkers as these crazy bishops. Well, I'll come up with another theory, thank you very much, and write something. Not going to be a bestseller, trust me. Jesus Christ is alive and alive forevermore and with his glorious risen presence, even today, wants to open your eyes, to soften your heart so that you trust him. All I know was that once I was blind uh, and now I can see. And it was this Jesus that did it. A moment's stillness, I'll lead you in a prayer and perhaps a prayer you can make your, your own. Uh, at this most solemn of weekends, 
But perhaps for you it might be a spiritual reawakening or a fresh putting of your hand out into the hand of God who so loves you through Jesus, the light of the world. Moments quiet and I'll lead you in a prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, risen Son of God, light of the world, I trust you now to forgive my darkness, to cover my shame, and to fill me with your presence and Holy Spirit. This prayer I ask in your precious name. Amen. Uh, Thank you for listening. We've much more to um, enjoy and partake with each other and with the Lord this day. But as you see me going out of church today, if you kind of felt that prayer was for you and you've never really trusted Christ before and you'd like something to read, I'm going to hand this out today and also this evening. You're most welcome to ask for one, that your trust is in Christ. Your eyes are open to his love. Thank you, Stephen.